Somebody got to come to you now. As, oh, are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. Oh. <laughs> Almighty God, I come to you now as your servant, asking that the words that I speak this morning would not be my words, but they would be yours. Asking, oh God, that who those who hear and receive these words would receive them not only in their minds and in their hearts, but deep in their souls, oh God. That place where only you and they go. Help us to understand the context of your teaching. That loving unconditionally is not an easy thing to do. Not only, oh God, is it hard to do, but it's hard to accept. So fill me now with your Holy Spirit, that I would do your will and not my own. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, if you've been following along for the last uh, several weeks, uh, the way that this all has been set up is that we've taken Jesus' particular teaching in context. You know, each of these particular uh, stories that we've talked about each week, uh, according to the lectionary, come out of the 12th chapter of Luke. And the author of Luke in this 12th chapter has managed to put together a rather lengthy but incredible teaching about what it is to be a person of faith, what it is to be that person who follows Jesus, and what Jesus' whole itinerary is for us as we live in this world. So today, uh, we finish up with the 12th chapter, beginning with the 49th verse. Now, again, when you hear this, you're going to hear one thing. Amen? Yeah. And, and I know that you're going to think one thing. Mm -hmm. But I want you to be prepared <laughs> to hear something else and change what you see. Okay? So are you ready? Here we go. Yeah. I have come to start a fire on this earth. And how I wish it were blazing right now. I have come to change everything, turn everything right side up, and how I long for it to be finished. Do you think I came to smooth things over and make everything nice? No. I have come to disrupt and confront. From now on, when you find five in a house, it will be three against two, two against three, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against bride, and bride against mother-in-law. And then he turned to the crowd. When you see clouds coming from the west, you say a storm's coming. And you're right. And when the wind comes out of the south, you say, <coughs> this will be hot. And you're right. But you are frauds. You know how to tell a change in the weather. So don't tell me you can't tell a change in a season. The God season that we're in right now. Amen. Hard stuff, right? And if you've been in the church for very long... This is the evangelical sermon at the end of every renewal weekend, is it not? 
Mm -hmm. Oh, God, yes. This is, this is what you're going to preach to call people down to the altar. This is what you are going to preach to say, if you don't come to the altar, there is a good chance you're going to burn in hell. And by the way, understand that God is coming and God is pissed. Although they won't say it that way. Amen? So you better get down here. And by the way, when we pass the basket, you better be emptying your wallets. Amen? That is the way this gets preached. But as I've been trying to tell you now for the last several weeks, this whole chapter needs to be taken in context. And as I was saying to somebody at the beginning of the service, when did this all start? Somebody that's been paying attention, tell me. How did this whole thing all start? Give me my share. I want Absolutely. I Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's not talking to the crowd that's around him. He's talking to the disciples, trying to teach them. When somebody decides, oh, wait a minute, this is the miracle guy. This is the guy that we've heard so much about. Hey, you, give me, make my brother, give me my share of the inheritance. Can't do that if you're asleep, brother. So at any rate, what does Jesus respond by saying? He says, and goes, dude, that's not my thing. That is not my deal. That's not why I'm here. And then he goes off on a rant. It is a rant that covers the rest of the chapter. And it's point by point. So let's review. When he gets interrupted, what's the first thing he says? Is you can't hide behind a religious mask. That's aimed at who? The religious leaders, right? Mm -hmm. That think that they've got all the answers. And even when they're wrong, they're not because they got this religious grandiosity about them. Then he tells you the story of the greedy farmer. What was that story? Somebody remember? Bury his money. And bigger, bigger barns. Yeah, he's going to build bigger barns. And the, and the simple question on Jesus' part at that point is, by the way, you're going to die today. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Where's that stuff going? And, of course, the question and the teaching in that is, what are we doing with our lives? Are we saving up for something we're not going to have? You know, it was interesting. I read on Facebook today, um, there was uh, some people that posted, they put a, a, a posted a picture of one of those... Uh, what, you know, those big metal dumpster things, okay? And he said, we're on our fourth one. And I was like, what on earth are they doing? And so I read the little story. Well, apparently somebody in the family died. That is the fourth dumpster that they have filled up of this stuff that they're throwing out that this person who died had in their house. Think about that when you want to build your barn and start saving stuff. And that's exactly... What Jesus was teaching. Let's see. What was the next thing? Oh, steep yourself in God reality. Well, what did he tell us? Quit worrying about what everybody else says, right? Mm -hmm. And be worried about what your relationship with God is all about. What does God tell you to do? It's not what the church says, although the church will pretend that they have the answers, but they really don't. We've, we've made a discovery here, haven't we? that the church for too many centuries tried to fix people when that wasn't what it was all about. What Jesus teaches is about what? Meeting the need. 
Figure out what the need is and meet it the best you can. Oh, yeah. And those people that just figured that they got uh, that, well, you know, what about when the master shows up? Remember that story last week? What was last week's point? Anybody? This is a test. I want to see if you're paying attention, Michael. I know you are. What, what, what was the point last week? Where are your priorities? Okay. Where is your treasure with your priorities? Y'all didn't remember that? Where your heart is? So what are your values? Absolutely. What are your values? So Jesus is teaching us what, what, what are our priorities? What are our values? And now we get to this week. And Jesus is really, have, you, you know, you've listened to me preach long enough. You know that sometimes it takes me a while to get going. If you go back and you look at chapter 12 and you look at the way they've got it broke down, it took Jesus a minute. Okay? But now he's, he's getting to the end of that lesson and he is going. It's like, you know, I wish I could change all this stuff right now. I have come to start a fire. How I wish it were blazing right now. And of course that gets preached as if God's going to come with fire and brimstone and start the place burning. No, that is not it. If you are a person of faith, let's talk about what divides families. Let's talk about what divides friendships. How about this? The death penalty. How about abortion? How about the practice of agape? That divides families? What's that? Agape divides families? Sure. Because if you love unconditionally, who the hell are you killing in the death penalty? Somebody that you love unconditionally? Oh, yeah. And I'll say it. That means that we got to figure out what we're doing with children. Although I don't think the government's got anything to do with that any more than the government ought to be killing people. And if you think I gave a confusing answer, at least I'm consistent. Yeah, I, I don't think that the government has the right to take your life. That's not what the government's for. That's right. How about we get divided over whether something is being judged or not? How about this? You're not supposed to bow down to kings and queens. You're not supposed to make God your money. How about this one? No oaths. Do you know how much grief I took when, I, when, I, when I've gone down to, uh, when I've been called for uh, jury, uh, jury duty? Now, it isn't a big problem because they will ask you. Do, do you... That's right, you can't. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, that was worth repeating. <laughs> but anyway, um, they ask you now, when you, when you sit in the courtroom, uh, when they go to, quote unquote, swear you in, um, all you have to do is, I don't take oaths, and they'll say, do you affirm? Okay, I can affirm that I'm going to tell the truth. 
I mean, that's, that's pretty close. What does Jesus say? Does anybody know what Jesus says about this? And why it's so controversial? Swear by nothing on earth or in heaven. Yes, be yes, and your no be no, and anything Bingo. else is from, from the devil. Right, from absolutely. The devil. Absolutely. How did we get off of that deciding that if we're going to promise something or we're going to say we're going to do something, that we got to swear to God to do it? Oh, I know. Because we've got a bunch of people out there that take each of these pieces that Jesus taught and turned it into a power and control thing of judgment as to how good or bad you are. Great gifts mean great responsibilities, greater gifts, greater responsibilities. There you go. So when you got that freedom, <laughs> hello, amen. Sociology professor every year begins his course on the family by reading his to his class a letter that's from a parent and it's written to a government official. In the letter, the parent complains that his son, once obedient and well-motivated, has become involved in some new weird religious cult. The father complains that the cult has taken over his boy's life, has forced him to forsake all his old friends, and has turned him against his family. After reading the letter, the professor asks the class to speculate on what the father's talking about. And almost without exception, the students say that the child must have gotten mixed up with some religious cult like the Moonies or some other controversial group. And after the class puts out all the possible conclusions they could think of, the professor then reveals the letter was written by a third century father in Rome, the governor of a province, complaining about the weird religious group called the followers of the way. Jesus was just stating a fact, folks. This is not about burning down the world. This is not about the second coming of Christ. It is that if you follow my way, it is going to be controversial. It is going to be uh, one of those things where you got to have some guts. Because I can tell you now, we've all sat here. How many of y'all have been involved in arguments where people get into really heated discussions over the death penalty? I can tell you that there have been people that have sat in my office. They have come in and they're depressed and they're angry and so forth and so on. And the moment I look at them and say, have you forgiven them? The back gets kind of straight, almost arched. And it's like, I've tried, but I can't and I won't. Therein lies the lesson. You want to talk about the fire? You know, fire is a good thing, right? It can either burn and do destruction, or it can burn and do positive stuff and give us heat. And I'm telling you today that as you look at this story, if you go back and you read the intact, entire chapter of Luke, you can decide which way the fire is going to be. You can decide whether it's going to be destructive or whether or not it's going to be your friend. And it all starts with being able to forgive. And isn't it interesting that right at the end of this teaching, Jesus knows what's coming in Jerusalem. He's in a hurry. 
isn't, he's not any different than any of the rest of us. Look, this is simple stuff. If I could only take and change it all around. But we have to learn patience too, folks. When you're tempted to walk away, you have to remember the love. When you're sitting there thinking that you're all alone, you have to remember the love. When you're mad at the world, remember the forgiveness. And remember that this world is divided not because of anything God did or is going to do by way of punishment and judgment. It is divided because loving unconditionally is the hardest thing that we'll ever do. God bless you.